All right. We are going to be in the book of uh, Genesis today. We're in a series uh, <clears throat> walking through the book, and we're going to land in chapter 10 and 11 today. And if you don't have a Bible, there's a couple ways you can uh, get one in front of your face. First of all, there's going to be verses on the screen, and so they're all there, the, the nine verses in the chapter of 11, the chapter of 11. That's a weird way to put that. Genesis chapter 11 is going to be on the, on the screen, and um, we also have uh, Bibles in the back that are the same version as what's going to be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible at home, we would love for you to be able to take that home. That's our gift to you. And then also... Um, on your handy-dandy smart uh, device, you can download what's called the Uversion Bible app. And um, I don't know how much luck you're going to have in this metal shell of a building with no cell uh, reception, but if you've got it, you can use it. And so there's a couple ways that we want to do that. And what, the reason we want to be so emphatic about you being able to see those verses is so that, A, you don't, you know, that you know that I'm not lying to you. Uh, don't, I mean, don't put any trust in me. Um, put trusters in, trust in the scriptures. Um, but also, I want you to be able to see where, um, in, a, in a couple of different ways, we have kind of taken these words um, it, for generations and kind of made them say what we want them to say. And, and I was just telling Hayden in the back, this whole week I studied the, the, the Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel story, and I've never taught on it before, but I've read it a couple times. But typically when it's taught, it's taught about how they built this tower and, and they were trying to use this tower to get to God. And nowhere in the scriptures does it say that. And so I, I started realizing very quickly as I was studying is that I went in with a mindset of what this story was going to be about. And if you actually just sit and read the words, they may tell a different story from what people tell you. So it's, it's important. The other thing is just that, and we've said this a couple times, is that we, we just as a, a church and, and our family specifically, as we talk to people about the Bible, about Christianity, about God, and all these kinds of things, we, we keep hearing people say, like, I, I don't know much about the Bible, so go easy on me. I have a lot of questions, and we're like, great, that's what we're here for. Like, that is literally what our church is here to do. Our mission statement is to guide people to experience Life in Jesus Christ, not to slap your hand if you don't know anything about the Bible, right? That's not what we're after. So we want you to be able to, A, uh, learn something about the Bible. We want this to be a um, obviously an informational time, but obviously we want it to be a, a life-changing time. We believe that, that God is trustworthy. And, and the, first, the first couple chapters of Genesis do a couple things for us. A, um, for the skeptics in the room, they scare us. They, they, you start to see a picture of someone that... Um, just last week we talked about a flood. So God uh, is grieved that he created mankind and, and wipes everyone out with this flood except for this one family, Noah. But what we see is that he's continually giving us pictures of redemption through these times where we might be tempted to look at the story in the Bible and say, well, that's terrible. How could a good God do that? And a good God had for a thousand years after creation been giving, uh, pointing to himself, pointing to eventually to Jesus, and people turn our, we turn our back, we turn our back, we turn our back. The story in the book of Adam and Eve, we, we talked about two weeks ago, it's their sin is going to show up in almost all of these stories. It shows up in our lives. Their decision to eat the fruit, they were deceived by Satan, right? Satan deceived them, he questioned God, and then he also took the scripture, or took what God said specifically and said, no, that's not what he said. Satan still does that today where he whispers lies in our ears so that we take a path that is not 
God's path. He still does that today. It's still happening. Um, all these pictures of, of people doing it their own way. The story of Cain and Abel, which we haven't exclusively talked about on a Sunday morning, but it's incredible to learn that God looked at the sacrifice of one brother and, and liked it better than the other one. And the other one was jealous and, and killed his brother. It's just this story of taking life into our own hands or, or the, 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 the purpose of life, the direction of life into our own hands is running rampant through the, the, the pictures of Genesis 1 to 11. But there's a couple good things happening. A, through the, through the first part of, of Genesis, we keep sh- seeing pictures of God saying, there's a better way, there's another way, I'm going to create a, a different path for you, there's always a way of escape, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Um, there's all these things, like we, we see these, these pictures. And Genesis 12, we're going to cover next week, and that is like, the breakaway moment where we get into like some really good stuff where God says, Abram, I'm going to pick you. You're going to be the guy that's going to essentially be the the great-grandfather of salvation of the world. Okay, so it's going to be like exclusively good news. Um, so, So there's lots of good things happening. So Genesis 1 to 3 we covered. Genesis 6 to 9 we covered. We've covered nine, chapter, nine chapters in two weeks, and today we're covering nine verses. And I'm so excited to only cover one chapter for once. So that's exciting. So we're going to be in chapter... Actually, let me cover chapter 10 real quick. Cover chapter 10. Because at the end of chapter 9... Where we ended last week, we see Noah gets off the boat. His family gets off the boat. They create this altar. Um, and then uh, if, you, if you read into uh, verse 18 to 20, 28, you see this picture of Noah where he doesn't get it right, right? You see this. You, what's been said about Noah is that he's blameless, he's mature, he's righteous, and all these things. Well, at the end of chapter 9, it's a different picture. He gets drunk and naked, passes out in a tent, and his son finds him. And he gets um, upset at his son for, for viewing him in that moment and curses his, not, not just him, but his lineage. Okay? You're, you're going to see some drastic, drastic stuff happening. In fact, I'll show you a picture because in chapter 10, you're going to see it's all it is, is a, a genealogy of Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And I've, I've put a, a, a map on the screen of, of essentially where they all landed, okay? So Shem is going to land in this area and, and settle there. Um, by the way, Shinar is right here. That's like present-day Iraq. And that is where the story today is going to take place. But um, Shem is the lineage, by the way, that Abraham is eventually going to be born out of. Um, Ham is the lineage that is cursed because he's the one who found his dad drunk, naked, like a NASCAR fan, passed out on the beach in a tent. Um, And so he's going to be the one that's cursed. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 9. And then he's going to scoot up uh, right up this. If you notice, Shem and Ham. And by the way, this is a very, I mean, we are still talking about that piece of land this week. Right? Right up to this week. So, So there is fighting back in like a thousand Right, thousand years after creation, all the way up to 2016, and you got guys like Donald Trump and Ted Cruz talking about it. And we're not going to talk about that because that's just going to make all of our blood boil. Um, so then you have Japheth, the third son, what some people would would see as the the, the youngest son, probably, um, kind of camps out up here. So so this is kind of where. And by the way, if you just are like, can you just show me where it is like today? Uh, I put up modern day because obviously this is Israel right here and. 
and Lebanon, Iraq, right? right. So Shinar is right around here or, or maybe even closer to Syria. Um, but it's going to be in this area. And by the way, uh, it's funny how we as Christians in our church uh, today in 2016 in America, we sometimes like to picture uh, Jesus as this like blonde hair, blue eyed, like he, he wore a robe and he's He's probably got like Tiva sandals on and like he's just very, very Caucasian. And he's not, right? The area of, uh, that, that is causing the world so much stress today with terrorism and all that kind of stuff is where the gospel was born, right? So that should shed a little bit of light on, on the story that we're going to tell. Also, I find it interesting. Could you go to the other map real quick, Hayden? The interesting thing here, so you've got Shinar right here and you've got Babylon right here. Um, interestingly enough, if you do the word study, the, the word here is Babel in, the, in, in Genesis chapter 11. Uh, that same word is just translated Babylon, the rest of the Bible. So essentially we're talking about Babylon here. And Babylon all the way throughout the Bible, all the way to the book of Revelation, is a city that is known for its disobedience, its rebellion towards God. It, it's kind of like a figurehead. If you had, if you had to pick a, a city in America, I don't know if you'd pick... Vegas or, you know, something like that as kind of like the city that's like throwing their fist up at whatever, you know. I'm not trying to throw Vegas under the, the bus there, but if you had to pick a city and say like that's the city that's like really rebelling against God, um, Babylon was the one, and we're going to see the very, very beginnings of Babylon. So essentially it's, it's important for you to know that it's in Shinar. Um, that's where we're happening today. So in Genesis chapter 10, we're not going to read the genealogy because no one wants to read the genealogy, but you can't skip over it if you're studying the Bible because it's very, very important. You learn in that genealogy, it says three different times. It gives you the, the genealogy of Japheth first, then Ham, then Shem. And at the end of each of those sections, it says the same thing. Each had its own language with their own clans and their own nations. Its own language. Okay? It says three times, chapter, chapter 10, verse 5, 20, and 31. Three different times says the same things. There were different languages. And then you scoot on to 11, verse 1. It said the whole earth had one language and the same words. And you're like, what? But, so, so Moses wrote the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. Okay? And, and, and put yourself, by the way, this, this, this will give you a lot of comfort as you're reading these stories because you're like, man, these are really depressing stories. They build a tower. God takes it down. They, he floods the earth. Moses is writing this, right? Like with, with that much Bible behind him, right? He's heard all these stories. He's, he's been there for part of it. Like he is writing way, way far away um, from this story right here. He didn't exist while this story was happening, but he wrote these first five books. God gave him the stories, some oral tradition, and some of them he was there to experience it um, for, for four of those five books. But he writes this story, and he I'll just wrap this up quickly. I did some study for about half the week on why on earth in Genesis 10 it would say there was multiple languages, and then in 11 there was one. It's because they were swapped. There's some literary stuff happening. If you read through and you study the book of Genesis, you see that uh, large portions are poetic. So there's some, you know, there's some literary elements um, where we should take them literal, and then there's some kind of poetic elements where, where if you look in the Hebrew, all through, by the way, this story today, there are, there's a little wordplay happening. So, so the words, and you're reading it in, in you know, English today, so you don't see this, but in the Hebrew, all these words sound alike. They, all, they rhyme, right? So this is, this is very interesting. In fact, some of the words um, in Hebrew, 
would use the consonants in this one, and then in the next word, they would reverse those consonants, and that would be the word that there's a lot of poetic kind of literary functions happening in this story. But in order to present how important this story was right before Abram, remember, Genesis 12 is going to, we're going to cover three verses next week that are essentially like foundational for the whole Bible and really for us today. They're three of the most important verses in the, in, in the entire Bible. Three of them, I mean, I'm not understating it. I'm not over, like, you cannot imagine how important those verses are. And so there's kind of a literary kind of function to placing this story right before 12 so that there's kind of a, a push. So understand that chapter 11 essentially happens before 10. This happens before the, the dispersing and stuff like that happens. So the whole earth had one language and the same words. This is Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. Remember, present-day Iraq. And they settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Verse 4. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Then the Lord came down to the city and the tower with the children, which the children of of man built. There is a a focus happening here that we cannot miss. Genesis 11 assumes that you have read Genesis 1 through 10. And in Genesis 1 through 10, there is a common thread of, of one common command. It happened in Genesis 1. It happened in, let's see, where? Genesis chapter 9. Two different times to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and spread out, d- disperse, right? So, so God creates Adam and Eve, and he says, you have dominion over all the plants and the animals. Be fruitful and multiply. And then he's going to send a flood to wipe out. And what does he say to Noah? It's up to you, right? So, like, women, if you don't like childbirth, like, could you imagine the pressure that was on you in that moment? Like, if this human race is going to work and God said it needs to work through you, it's up to you. Can you imagine the pressure in that moment? Well, if it's going to be up to us, then it's going to be up to us, and I guess we better get busy, literally. Um, and we, we, we see this story of be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and multiply. Be fr- and what they say is they say, let's build a city. Let's settle. The, literally, the word is settle. Let's settle down. Let's, let's, essentially what they're saying is let's disobey what God had said. Let's not disperse. Let's, um, and think about it. Think about the practical reasons for building a city, Right? The practical reasons for building a city, there's lots of good reasons. Obviously, there's, there's some settlement. You know, there's some, um, I mean, think about in the Old Testament when God said, build a tabernacle, but make sure it's mobile because if I choose to move, then you follow me. Remember, we talked about how like, like even in mobile church is a small picture of that, right? We get up early to set up and we take down and we, we, we get in and out of this thing. And if God tells us to move, then we move, right? So, so they build a city and they settle down when God had said, I don't want you to settle. I want you to spread out. I want you to populate the earth. Um, and then they build a tower, right, with its tops in the heavens. Why? To let us, so that we may make a name for ourselves, right? Lest we be dispersed. We don't want to do the one thing that God told us to do. This is, this is not a story about, 
a group of people that built a tower so they could get up to God. Although there's lots of things that we could say about that. This is a, this is a story about a group of people that builds a city and then a tower. And essentially what they're doing is they're trying to make a name for themselves. There, is, there, there are leaps and bounds of pride happening in this moment. They build a city to settle. They're disobeying God's command to disperse. They say, lest we be dispersed. So let's build a city. Let's build up our walls. Let's be protected. Let's, let's take care of our own. Let's, let's, have some, let's have a moment to just settle down and, and really and gain power. Think about gaining power in all the, all the ways that that is a benefit in this moment. Um, and then, if that weren't enough, let's go ahead and build a tower so the people that walk up to us, they know not to mess with us, right? Let's make a name for ourselves. And I think about all the ways that, that we do that, you know, and it may not be like, you know, Seattle is the, with, the, with the Space Needle or, or, or Paris with the, you know, the, and my mind just went blank. What is that tower called? Thank you. Wow. The Eiffel Tower. Um, you know, it's not like that's all bad. To, to, to consider that they built a tower for themselves, but, um, but the purpose in that moment is to make a name for themselves. And the point of humanity has always been to turn glory back to God. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. And essentially what they're doing here is they're disobeying his command to disperse, and they're taking the glory and they're saying, let's get some of that, Right? This is essentially what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve, they, they had everything, but they had one tree that they weren't supposed to take the fruit, and they said, no, we're going to have that fruit, right? And Satan had a part in that. He deceived them, but they, they took the fruit. And then generations go by all the way up to about a 1,000 years after creation, and God says that they're only evil all the time. No one is turning back glory and honor to me. I'm grieved that I made them. Uh, and then in chapter 11, you see that, that they build this tower, they want to make a name for themselves, and um, they're, essentially they're, they're, they're wanting to have a declaration of independence from God. So, th- this, and listen, this happens today in, in various forms, because we could do church in such a way that we, we settle, right? We could do Christianity in such a way that we settle. God, God made it clear through Jesus at the very end of his life in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, that we are to go make disciples, right? Teach them what we've observed, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And by the way, he's going to be with us. It's going to be good. Like, go. I'm going to protect you. I'm sending you, but go. Don't camp out. And what do we find ourselves doing, right? Sunday morning, it's my time to get with God. Monday at work, zip, right? I'm not saying a word. Um, you know, when you're hanging out at the gym or your coffee shop or something like that, you know, you, you, you essentially don't feel like a sent person because maybe you, you want to keep that to yourself and personal. And what God is saying in Genesis is the same thing that he's saying to us today, and that is to spread out, disperse. Go take my name and make it famous. Don't make your name famous, right? My goal is not to have Access Church's name be famous in Columbus. Like, I have, a, I have a goal, I have a vision to see churches planted in Columbus straight out of our house where we would say our funds are not for us. We're going to send those funds out into different areas of Columbus, spread out, right? Teach men and women to go out into their communities, into their neighborhoods, into their jobs, and share the love of Jesus. We want to do that. But if Access Church gets famous at the end of all of that and Jesus doesn't, then we've failed, 
then we failed. Then I failed. If my boys don't ever hear the word Jesus come out of my mouth, but they think I'm awesome, then I failed, right? I'm a good dad, awesome. But if they don't know Jesus, if I don't make Jesus famous in my own home, then I'm a failure. I'm a failure. The, the goal is not to build my own kingdom. It's to build God's kingdom. So the call is to go. They get settled in. And then God says, let's go down and check this thing out. So verse 6, I think, is where we need to start. The Lord said, behold, they're one people. This is kind of good news for a moment. They're one people. They have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they'll be able to do. Nothing they propose to do now will be impossible for them. So, let's go confuse them. Let's go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. In verse 8, the story wraps up. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. The word Babel literally means confusion. Literally means confusion, which is not surprising to you because when you're talking, you know, to your, to your three-year-old, can you see how this is getting personal? And he's like, whining and complaining. And you're like, quit babbling. Use your words, you know. Like, this is no different from us today. This is where we get our idea of, of babbling, um, because of confusion. And obviously we know that God is not the author of confusion um, and, and he is going to separate them. Now, Hayden, can you go back to the actually verse six and seven? Because this is interesting that he says, they're one people and they have all one language. This is only the beginning of what they'll be able to do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible. This sounds like all good stuff, right? It's not for the purpose of what God is saying here. God is saying our goal Right? Our God, our God is, is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he's not like schizophrenic, you know, like, come let us go down. You know, like, because if I say that, you shouldn't make a phone call. Say, I think you need to come get Mark Christie because he's talking to himself. It's not a good. But God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing in perfect community. And he says, let us go down and confuse their language. But he says that nothing will be impossible. So there's like kind of a nuanced element here where God is saying it's not good. It's not good in this moment that they'll actually be able to succeed in this process because it's not my goal, right? I, maybe we're unified around one cause to make Access Church famous in Columbus. You know what I hope God says in that moment is let's go confuse them. Let's stop them. Let's cut off the funds. Let, we need to make them remember that God's name needs to be famous in Columbus, not access church. But, but there's a moment here, there's kind of a nuance where you see that, that if we got around the right purpose, right, and God says nothing will be able to stop them, to be able to use a common language um, under the banner of Jesus, I, I honestly think this is a, a glimpse of what church could be. Remember in Matthew 16, 18, he says, I am building my church. This is Jesus talking. I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Like that is a promise that I am banking on because that's all we've got, right? It's not going to be on the talent of the lead pastor because we are sunk if that is the case, right? But I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And for God to be able to say like unity matters, right? Unity is a good thing if it is bridled 
under uh, uh, an understanding of the gospel in such a way that we're not king, we're not lord, we're not master. We fall under his authority, not our own. So it's interesting here that he would say that, you know, that, that we have to confuse him. But he does. He goes and he confuses him. Um, we see that, that, you know, they call it Babel because he brought confusion. Um, and I think maybe the, the, the interesting thing here that, that I want to point out as we close is just that God confused them. And doesn't it feel like that sometimes where you feel like you are doing what God wants you to do? And this is scary for me to think about because I, I feel like we are trying to do what God wants us to do. But sometimes God needs to come down and confuse us for a minute. Or maybe, maybe in, in Jonah, remember in the book of Jonah, you've got a man that's running from God. He sent him to this city. He ran to this city to run away from God. By the way, that's never a successful venture. You run away from God who sees all and knows all, is past, present, and future all at one time. He's the beginning and the end, and you're running from God who knew you before you were born. That's hilarious. And we do that, don't we? We do that. And, um, and what does it say in the book of Jonah? That God sent a storm, that God appointed a fish, right? Th this was all on purpose. Like God was redirecting him. Did God want to kill Jonah? I don't think God's intention was to kill Jonah. Right? He had a couple rough days in the belly of a whale, and I can't imagine how terrible he smelt when he got vomited on a beach. Right? Not a good situation. Sometimes we're like, can you imagine if you're Jonah on the beach? You're like, really? R kill me now. Like, this is terrible. I hate sushi. You know, like, this is no good. But in this moment, you see this picture of God, you know, confusing their language. This is not a picture of God kicking over your sandcastle. Sand. Ha-ha. Right? Your big brother picking on you. This is not a picture of, of a bully. This is a picture of a God. And this is where you got, you got to change your lens, guys, on Scripture. You can look at it and you can be like, God is a bully. God is sending a flood. He's a, he's a megalomaniac. No, 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 no. What God does is he confuses their language. Why? He could have done all sorts of things. He could have... He could have sent famine. He could have sent all kinds of things. He confused their language. Why? So that they would get to the original purpose, which is to be fruitful and multiply and disperse. And that's exactly what happened. Sometimes, when you're going through a rough time, you need to just stop and say, maybe God is redirecting me, right? Like a GPS. Like, I, um, I'm a man, as you might be able to tell, and... Um, I was having a, hair, uh, a conversation with, with the lady who cuts my hair, and uh, she was complaining about her boyfriend who doesn't like to read instructions, and so he'll break things before he'll create them or, you know, put them together rightly, and, and he won't ask for help, and I'm like, so wrong with that, you know? I mean, it's like, let me put it together. Let me make my mistakes, and she literally said, ugh, men are the worst, and I'm like, well, I'm the customer, and I'm always right, so you can take that put it in your pipe and smoke it. Um, but she, she was talking about that, and I, I kind of got to thinking about it. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll pull my GPS out, and I'll be trying to get somewhere, and, and the GPS will say, go this way. And I'm like, I'm not going that way because I know a better way, which at that point is like, why do you have your GPS out if you're not even going to listen? But then the GPS will kindly say, you know, rerouting or redirecting and all this kind of things. And God, I think this is a picture of God gently redirecting us. He could have done something else. Um, Proverbs 3.12 says it this way, like, like a father 
uh, disciplines their children, right? Like, this is the picture that we should have. The Lord reproves or disciplines them, uh, those who he loves as a father, uh, the son in whom he delights. So when my kids act up, I could just be like, mm, yeah, sure, have some more candy and, and grow up to be a brat that's not going to be a productive member of society. But no, as a dad who loves his kids, I've got to discipline them sometimes. right? I can't let him have everything he wants. My kid literally wants candy three meals a day. And I'm like, your stomach's going to hurt if you do that. And he's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, you know what? Fine. Have candy all day. I hope you barf tonight. You know what I mean? Except I don't because then I have to clean it up. And, like, obviously I need to air some personal parental concerns right now because it's bleeding out of my sermon. But the Lord reproves them, him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. This is a picture of God saying, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to keep my promise. And I said, I'm going to bless the world right through you. In fact, next, next chapter, you're going to see that. Literally those words, I'm going to bless the world through you. I'm going to bring salvation through you. You're going to have descendants that you can't even number because they're going to be as many as the stars in the sky or the sand in the sea. And God is saying, like, if you'll just pay attention to my instructions, I promise I'm going to make it work. Don't do it your own way, though. Don't do it your own way. We get frustrated because God doesn't bless our plans, and, and that should be hilarious to us because we ought to just sit down, have a moment where we say, he created the, wor- the world, I am his creation, I don't get to pick. Right? He's God, he's Lord, he's everything. He's king, he's master. I'm going to go down his path. So, The main point for me, I don't know about you, but this is for me, is that before we ever do anything with our hands and feet, we need to open up our eyes and ears. Essentially, we need to open up our heart to what God has to say. Um, I had better not go and make a bunch of plans and then be like, all right, God, I know we haven't talked in a while since I started these plans, but will you please bless them? Because that is not the picture of what God blesses. God blesses his plans, right? Read through the book of Proverbs. You'll see all over the place that, that the man has his plans, but, but the Lord owns right, the future. He is going to make things happen. We can plan. I was telling someone that, um, that I had planned uh, sermons. I, I have essentially planned sermons into 2018. I have books of the Bible that I want our church to go through. And so I know that it's going to take 20 weeks for us to get through Genesis. It's going to take 12 weeks to get through Exodus. It's going to take uh, 12 weeks to get through Ephesians, I think. And I've got all these plans. And I told someone about that the other day, and they just started laughing. They're like, I can't wait for God to reroute you, and all your work is just in the trash. You know, like, God is going to change your mind. Like, we ask God to bless our plans, and sometimes he comes down and he knocks our tower down. It's not because he hates us. It's not because he's a megalomaniac. It's because he loves you. And if you choose to do life your own way, he'll send a gentle reminder not to do anything with your hands and feet until you open your eyes and ears to what he has to say. So we see this story of the Tower of Babel. There's lots of application. There's lots of application. But that's the main one for me. And as a side note, I just want to be able to say, just with clarity, 
The vision for our church is to guide people to experience life in Jesus Christ. Our very first core value that we've stated plainly is that who we are and what we do is entirely about Jesus. And if you ever catch wind that what we are doing is for us, then please, please speak up. You know, pray for us as we lead this church, but, but also, you know, speak up because this church is God's church. It's not ours. It's not, it's not our idea. God, God placed that idea in us. And to even think about how maybe down the road, like if we're successful and maybe we've got churches all over Columbus, and, and if we ever get to a point where we would say, look at what we've done, I hope someone speaks up and says, who gave you those hands? Who gave you those feet? Who gave you the brain? Who gave you the, 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 the moving pieces? Who gave you the equipment? This, this church is a picture of God saying, I'm going to take care of you. Because what happened was he called us to it. We stepped out, started making moves to do it. And then God started preparing us along the way. He, he brought us a church in the same state that we were living that said, you know what, we're getting behind your vision and we want to be able to supply you financially with everything that you need. And so we're here. I was leaving. Um, I remember we had Thursday night and I went to pick up pizza and it just hit me. It was like, you know what? Thank you, God, that we have money to have like pizza and drinks and stuff like that for small groups, that we have money for these door hangers to tell the community like that God is preparing. If we ever get to a point where we're like, look how awesome our door hangers are. Someone please smack me in the face, right? If we ever get to a point where we're like, look how our church is like the best in Columbus. Access Church! If we ever start waving the banner of Access Church and not of Jesus, then someone slap us in the face because we have got to be about Jesus and his fame, not about our own, right? Lest we be dispersed from all the face of the earth, we are a sent people that need to be out. Uh, let us make a name for ourselves. These are glaring warnings to us as a church and as people individually to say, your life has been given to you. You're a steward of it. You're a manager of it. What are you doing with your life? All of the book of Genesis and all the Old Testament points to Jesus who is our salvation. And so if this is, if this is anything, it's a picture of encouragement that, again, God has not given up on us. The story of Noah could be totally discouraging until you realize that we are still here. Right, we were here last, last week to hear a word from God through the book of Genesis about Noah and the flood. We're here this week. You, we, we have all the blessings in the world, and God is continually giving us opportunities to turn to him. And so that's the call today, just like it was the call last week, and it's really going to be the call every Sunday to use your life for his fame, his glory, his renown, not your own, not ours, not for our church, but for Jesus. That's what we're going to be about. So if there's any confusion, Babel, get it? If there's any confusion about any of that, let it be clear. This church is all about Jesus. Let me pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us a story like this to, to, to yes, give us a warning, but just to give us a gentle nudge today in 2016. Maybe we're not busy building physical towers, but maybe we're building our own kingdom. Maybe we're, we're building our own family the way that we want to build it, the way that we want to do it. Maybe we're doing work and life in such a way that we want to do it, and we're ignoring your call in, in, in Matthew 28 to go and to make disciples. 
God, would you just reroute us if, if that's the case? Lord, would you give us a gentle reminder if we need to be rerouted? Lord, we love you and we're so thankful that you're a loving Father who doesn't turn your back on us, but you sent your Son to die for us. Lord, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.